I'm the dude. So that's what you call me, you know? Uh, that or uh, his dudeness or uh, duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino. He's good. In the heat of battle, he don't miss. No. In the heat of controversy, he don't miss. No. Welcome into the Double Dribble podcast with Cody and Caleb. We are late getting it out to you, but we are still here and happy to bring it to you. It is going to be a great addition. Lots of TikTok-worthy content. We're going to have some fun breakdowns for you, some rankings. But we're going to jump in first with a recap of the conference championship football games, the Ravens-Chiefs and the Niners-Lions games. I'm really glad we didn't record right away on Monday because yeah. I had a lot of strong feelings about these games. And this gave me <laughs> some time to simmer down. We're not going to see any three-minute manuscripts from Cody like we did with Doc mm-hmm. Rivers, you know, I'm I'm calmed down. I'm I'm here. Caleb, what did what did you think? Let's start with Ravens, Ravens Chiefs. Ravens Chiefs. Uh what I learned from that game is that Patrick Mahomes is inevitable. It doesn't matter what receivers he's throwing to. And also Kelsey. Travis Kelsey's inevitable as well. Their their combination in the first half won them that game, along with their defense. And I have learned to never, ever, ever bet against the Chiefs. And that will be shown in my Super Bowl pick when we get to that. Kansas City this year. Yeah, you can go. Oh, I was going to say, it looks like I have to pick Niners so I can try and catch you up, catch up to you in our our numbers. Because I think I I win tiebreaker if I get the Super Bowl right, right? That's that's how that works. I think think that's a good deal. I think that's a good deal. Whatever you pick, I'm going to have to go opposite of. But absolutely monster. Yeah, you said the first half between Kelsey and – and Mahomes, Kelsey, breaking Jerry Rice's all-time playoff reception record. He turned back the clock. He Absolutely. turned back the clock in that first half. Monster half. Great game. I'll let you keep going, though. Yeah, uh, Patrick Mahomes, man. I, and underwhelming offensive performance after the first half for both teams, but I think that's much more telling about Kansas City's defense. I went into this game picking the Ravens because of their defense, and they showed out in the second half, but Kansas City's defense, man, the pressure they were able to get on Lamar Jackson was unlike anything I've seen all year. Chris Jones had a monster game. Jarius Sneed's knockout of um, Zay Flowers, who, I, who, man, I feel bad for that kid, dude. That is such a tough way to go out. I mean, we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later on. But, man, uh, you, you talk about just elite defensive plays that contribute to winning games. They kept making – play after play after play, getting pressure. I mean, I haven't seen Lamar sacked in the pocket like that I, all season. Seriously. I mean, give it up to Spags and that defense for absolutely clamping down. They gave up one blown coverage to Zay Flowers in the first quarter, which was more Lamar magic than anything else. The Chiefs' defensive pass rush did their job on that play. Just they thought Lamar was about to scramble, so a safety came up and Zay Flowers was open in the back. But, man, I, you can't ask much more for your best – I, in my opinion, the best quarterback of all time or soon to be uh, to give him a defense like this. This is exactly what the Chiefs have been needing. It's It was a hard game to watch. That Zay Flowers fumble broke my heart. And I know a lot of people – Yeah, I love this. Prior to the fumble, he had that taunting penalty. And oh, yeah, that's that ridiculous. I, That's ridiculous. It's it's one thing to be overcome by emotion, but to cost your team like that in a playoff game, that could have been a whole different ball game. They could have scored easily, much less yards to cover. 
Zay doesn't have to dive for the end zone in that situation. Great job by both defenses, but I'm not giving Spags as many props as I am saying, what the hell was the play calling style from the Ravens? You're oh, right, yeah, that's good You're point. the number one rushing team in the NFL, and you give your running backs six carries the whole game. And one of them was an 18-yard run. Six carries. You hand the ball off mm-hmm. twice to Zay Flowers, and Lamar Jackson runs the ball eight times. And half of those are not design runs. They're scrambles out of the pocket. Spags was able to put this pressure on – the Ravens because they completely went away from their identity, which is running the football. They're yeah. this team, they tried to make Lamar Jackson be Patrick Mahomes and make plays through the air instead of letting him play to his strengths. He is the best scrambling quarterback in the NFL that we've seen since Michael Vick and mm-hmm. potentially even better than Michael Vick, even though he's learning to develop his game in through the air as well. But we said before this game, we both agreed Isaiah Pacheco was a huge key for them to go out and win this football game. His numbers look a little overwhelming. He had 24 rushes for 68 yards, which boils down to about 2.7 yards per carry. Yeah, nothing flashy. looks underwhelming, but every single time the Chiefs needed a run, they needed two yards, they needed five yards, and Pacheco touched the football. He got exactly mm-hmm. what they needed. So it doesn't matter that you stop. I mean, it does matter. You gave him a chance. But when you really needed to step up and get a stop, Pacheco won the battle every single time. I, Lamar, or not Lamar, Patrick Mahomes didn't do much in this game to win this football game. It was all Kansas City's defense and this run game and Travis Kelsey. Mm-hmm. I think if you were to pick like a least valuable player from this game, Patrick Mahomes is up there. He didn't do, he didn't do much. He managed the game well. And while we're talking about yeah. game managers in the next game, Patrick Mahomes managed this game. Uh, absolutely, I was I was devastated. This boiled down to mistake free football. The Chiefs played mistake free football. The Ravens, Zay Flowers fumble. Lamar gets sacked in the pocket and fumbles the football. And Lamar throwing an egregious ball into triple coverage. I don't care if you slow it down to the millisecond and it looks like he got clobbered before the ball got there. What are you even doing making that throw? Whether you want a flag or not, that's an unwarranted throw into triple coverage in the end zone. Horrible pass. Yeah. Horrible decision-making. Yeah, I my take on Lamar Jackson's game is it wasn't very flashy, but I think he tried to prove his haters wrong a little bit too much this game with some of the throws he was trying to make. I think there were plenty of opportunities where the Chiefs gave him opportunities to run, but he was looking for that pass and stuck in the pocket just a little bit too long, which is not something you're used to seeing from Lamar. And I think it would be like one of his detractors, like biggest point for he needs to stick in the pocket longer. I don't think he used his explosiveness to his advantage this game as much as he should have. I think that that throw to in triple coverage was a desperation ball where he was just trying his best to – do whatever he could, but I mean, you got to make a better decision in an important game like that. And the game was always in reach. And like to go back to the Zay Flowers thing, it should have been tied. It should have been a tie game at that point. And yeah. then maybe you, you go a little bit more conservative and rely on Justin Tucker to get you over the hump, which you know he would have. 
So it's one of those things that I think Lamar Jackson was just frustrated at the outcome of the game at that point and made a frustration throw, which is just something you can't afford to do. But I don't think it's a Lamar Jackson talent or intelligence thing. Some people are trying to make it out to be. I've seen a lot of people questioning Zay Flowers' decision to dive for the end zone there. What do you think about the decision? If you're Zay Flowers, you dive and try and score. Personally, I think – it's the right decision. This was such a hard-fought mm-hmm. defensive game. You're three feet from the goal line. Yeah. You, you try and make the play because you scored 10 points all game, and I'm not taking those odds to score from two yards out in three mm-hmm. plays. I'm I'm diving for the end zone. I'm putting the game in my hands. I, I, I respect the decision, but I've seen a lot of people questioning it. Well, I, I think it's funny that the after the McCall Hardman – debacle from last week that it actually benefited the Chiefs this week. I, I just think that's a funny turn of fate for the Chiefs after seeing some of their fans complaining about the uh, rule. I'm, I'm sure they were happy with it this week. But, I mean, it's it's in your instinct as a, like, athlete and as a competitor to want to get the play to, like, to extend the ball and score the touchdown. I mean, you don't want to risk a fumble on the goal line. I mean, that I, I don't think that's going through his head at the moment. It is – and probably in his head was, you just got to score this ball, man. You just got to get this in over, like, one white line and it's a touchdown. And I, and I didn't hate the the reach out as much as it was just a great defensive play. Like, Absolutely I mean, I think against, I, I, I think that's way more a defensive, like, you should be, like, pat yourself on the back. I mean, that's just a great play than it is, like, a, you know, what are you doing reaching out the ball? I, I can see the argument for just how – like strict the rule is if you fumble into the end zone. But I, 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 I agree with you. I would have done the same thing if I was Zay. And I love Zay Flowers. He's such a baller. I just hope this isn't the defining moment of his career. Oh, I don't think it will be. He's had such a great season. He he really is the only target outside of Mark Andrews and Isaiah Likely. He's the only wide receiver target on this team that can actually produce. Yeah. You've got a 45-year-old old Odell Beckham Jr. Like and Nelson Aguilar. And Nelson Aguilar, who yeah. has hands that rival those of Kadarius Tony, so <laughs> that's disrespectful. Don't, don't compare hey. him to Kadarius Tony's hands. <laughs> hey, I've seen some parody. I've seen some parody clips on TikTok of Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid that are you know talking smack on Kadarius Tony. Those are the funniest things yeah. ever. Someone like voice edited over their press conference and was like, "We won because Kadarius Tony's bum ass wasn't out here on the field." With it. <laughs> it, it was maybe great. a good point, man. He he was a number one uh, chief sabotager this year, but <laughs> this really does stink for the. I feel like this was the Ravens' year, man. I, I don't see them having an opportunity like this one, and for it to be so close and like not you weren't even outplayed that much. The game should have been tied, and honestly, you had if it was tied, you had a good chance of winning it. So uh, just a tough pill to swallow for Ravens nope. fans, and to lose to lose Mike McDonald today to the uh, to the Seahawks, if I'm not wrong, that's yeah. a really really tough blow, man. It is, and, and like you said, there was absolutely no momentum for either team in that second half. Mm-hmm. Everybody was getting stopped. Nobody was getting anything. So just a, a tough one to swallow. Lamar Jackson, Captain America, he let the world. <laughs> Yeah, he did let the world down. <laughs> you let the world down, and now we have to live through a Taylor Swift Super Bowl. Oh, uh, whatever. So next, we had the we had the Niners and Lions game, which was the exact opposite of this Chiefs Ravens defensive juggernaut mm-hmm. battle. 
it was a tale of two halves. We'll just put it at that in yeah. the Niners-Lions game. Lions find themselves up 24-7 at the half. How long are you going to think about this game, Lions fans? 24-7. Forever. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, uh, you know, for the Lions to choke this one away, it was, it was sad. But the first thing I want to talk about isn't the score, the disparities. It is three key fourth downs for this Lions team. And I hate to say it like this, but I think Dan Campbell made the wrong decision in each one of these. The first Mm -hmm. being, at the end of the second half, the Lions find themselves on the goal line and decide to kick the field goal on fourth and goal from the two-yard line. For me, this is your MO all year, Dan Campbell. If you're going to go for it, on fourth down, this is the best opportunity and situation for you to go for it. You can essentially put the nail in the coffin and take a 28-7 to lead, a full three-touchdown lead, and the Niners didn't get over the 28-point threshold until three minutes left in this football game. If you mm-hmm. score a touchdown instead of a field goal in that scenario, you take – all the momentum going into half. I think you gave the Niners life and a feeling of momentum and something to build around saying, we stopped them on the goal line and we kept this a manageable game. The second yeah. fourth down came in the third, I believe it was in the third quarter mm-hmm. in longer field goal range, deciding to go for it on fourth down while the chiefs are building momentum. They go down, Mm -hmm. first possession out of the second half, kick a field goal. The offense is moving and rolling. And you have the opportunity to answer back and put points on the board and stun this momentum. For me, all of these decisions from Dan Campbell crushed your momentum. They were Mm -hmm. momentum killers, and they just kept the ball rolling for the Chiefs. And the last fourth down was towards the end of the game. I believe there was a, a drop pass on fourth down. I think that was the one before. That was, was Josh it? Reynolds. He he could not hold on to the ball, man. That was that was the difference I think in the game. But yeah, you can go on. The Josh Reynolds dropping that pass, tough one. But for that one at the end of the game, I like the decision. You're on the ropes. You need something big to happen. That one in my eyes. You stuck to your guns that time, Dan Campbell. But for me, Dan Campbell was fighting himself all game. He was fighting, mm-hmm. making the right decision, and being aggressive. And he was in his head, and I think it cost them this game a little outside of what the players did. Obviously, the players made some mistakes, and this game was within reach. But mm-hmm. he definitely did not help his team in the momentum down the stretch of this game. Yeah, my thing with Dan Campbell is like, be consistent. More so, if you're if you're gonna go for it on fourth down in the second half, you go for it at the end of the first. Now, personally, I would have kicked because I think whatever I like, I don't know how I feel about momentum going into the second half. I I just think that the Niners were honestly the better team, and the Lions got them in the first half. Genuinely, like I just think they just got them off guard. I would have kicked it mostly because I think that there would be like a real, like if you don't get it, like, Oh man. But I I, I can, but if it's Dan Campbell, you have to go for it. That's my take on it. You can't like 
have stick, to, like have to. Yeah, you know, and Ben Johnson called it like a hell of a game, man. The Lions OC, I mean, that dude is a baller. I'm- I am so happy yeah. that he decided not to take any coaching jobs and decided to stick around and run it back with this Lions team. I think that's I was the shocked he didn't go to the Commanders. I that's thought right. he was a Commander. I can't lie. I think he made an excellent decision. So he kind of put his asking price out there uh, mm-hmm. incredibly high for him getting a head coaching position. And I think what his reasoning behind that was, you're going to have to really blow me away with an offer. Like I'm in a great yeah. situation. I love coaching with Dan Campbell. I love what this Lions offense is and the weapons that we have. So if I'm going to leave the situation I'm in, you better blow the house down. You better give yeah. me everything and more. So, mm-hmm. and I don't think, I think that he didn't get any positions because no one was able to meet his demands. That's truly my opinion. He didn't decide to stay with the Lions, but I think he made his options well known because he had such a, a strong feeling about staying with the Lions that you better make him an offer he can't refuse. Yeah, I, I think he may be a future Miami Dolphin. I'm not going to lie to you if this next year doesn't work out. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, the Lions, their weapons are ridiculous on offense. I, I genuinely think, even though young, are they like a top three, if not two unit? Like, maybe even one. I, I Jamison Williams – it's such a good, like, firecracker. Like, just like when it comes to just a one-play touchdown, he's, he's like, as good as there is anyone in the game. You just get him in space with his speed. It's ridiculous. Gibbs, we don't even need to get him to get – that dude is such a baller. But David Montgomery had himself a crazy game, too, today. I mean, David – or back, like, last weekend. Da- David Montgomery's a baller. St. Brown, you were right about, like, him having a big game. And Laporta, I, he's the best tight end in the league, I think, right now. I, I mean, right now the best. You, you may take Kittle for his blocking ability, but I think I think that explosiveness of the tight end is way more important. And not, and I'm taking Laporta as the best receiving tight end. And and I wish I could have seen that Kelsey Laporta matchup in the Super Bowl. That would have been pretty nuts to see. But you know that I, I, I think, and dang it, every single chance I think I have to slander Brock Purdy, he comes out in the second half. And man, he proves me just a little bit more wrong every time, man. It, it's it's getting annoying at this point, dude. It he made some absolutely clutch throws in this game. I mean, like throws that an elite quarterback makes, and not just a game manager. And I still do think he's a game managing quarterback. But I mean, if you can be a game managing quarterback who makes elite throws, that's Tom Brady. That's who. That's what that is. I told you. That's, you I know, literally said it last podcast. I said I'm not saying he's. Tom I'm seeing Brady. the vision. I'm not say- I said I'm seeing the vision. Yeah, and I mean, granted, a lot of it is Shanahan's offense. I mean, Kyle Shanahan's an offensive genius. I mean, that dude just knows if, what he's doing. If you're talking about yes. number one weapons offense, I'm sorry, it's not the Lions. It is the Niners. You're talking about it Debo. is the Niners. Hey, you're talking. Debo, I think they are Brady, lacking Kittle. I think they're lacking a pure. I I'm not extremely moved by Devo as like a number one receiver as much as he is just kind of like a gadgety like the inverse Cooper Cup who's way more athletic than you know Cooper Cup but kind of has the same impact. You know what I mean? For me, I don't know if that makes. For me, I think it gives a simple or a similar feel to like what Green Bay has, but the opposite. Mm-hmm. So Green Bay, yeah, Green Bay has so many underwhelming receivers 
that they spread the ball around to everybody because no one is a top-tier guy. The 49ers yeah. offense is so good yeah. that it doesn't matter which weapon you pick. Somebody's – like, they're all yeah. equally excellent. And I think they all understand, hey, some days I'm going to pop off. Some days you're going to pop off. Everybody's going to eat throughout the season. I don't need to eat today. Yeah. So, it's and- speaking of weapons – Underrated weapon. Can we talk about Kyle uh, Juice Check and that sideline? Juice Check, yeah. Oh my god, that's ridiculous. He's, he's the yeah. he's the most talented fullback I think I've ever seen in the NFL. He's he's yeah. I'm at a loss for. Have you ever seen? I saw him toe tap against the Broncos two or three years ago on the sideline. He's a hundred percent deep out. Yeah. What do you do? He's a hundred percent the most versatile. I'll give it like. For a fullback, he's not like. I I don't understand how you even find a guy like that. Like, what's the scouting report on Kyle Yusek? Watch out for him in the pass game. He can run block and also be aware if he gets the ball because he's actually pretty shifty. He's just like. I don't know if this makes any sense, but like, and I know this is another Alabama reference, but he reminds me a lot of like a better Mark Ingram, if that makes sense. If you remember what Mark Ingram used to be, but just in a fullback version. It, just a little bowling ball who can make an athletic catch and block is ridiculous. And I don't want to, like, downplay another thing. I, I think Nick Chubb's the best pure running back in the NFL, but Christian McCaffrey's the best, I think, in the league. I When it comes to his versatility and his impact, I mean, I, I've never seen a running back be the center of an offense, and it works so well other than, like, Derrick Henry. But Derrick Henry never got this far. No. Christian McCaffrey is the center of this offense. And he – I, he, you look at him, I'm sure it's more imposing in real life, but he kind of just looks like a normal dude out there. Doesn't look too big, too stout. But he'll run you over. He's incredibly shifty. And he can catch every pass thrown to him. It's ridiculous. And it's and when I saw the trade, I thought the Panthers fleeced. I was like, for a running back – I mean, running back value was so low. No. The 49ers knew exactly what they were doing. And Christian McCaffrey, I mean, I think there's – I think that – and I'm going to pick the Chiefs, but if the Niners win, it'll Christian McCaffrey will be Super Bowl MVP. That is my take. And he will score, like, a couple times, I think. 132 all-purpose yards and two touchdowns. Touchdowns in back-to-back playoff games. Over 100 all-purpose yards, back-to-back playoff games. An animal. He is an animal. Ridiculous. Uh, oh, kid. We got to talk about this before we're done with yeah. this game. The the biggest change of momentum in this football game. I think I you know what I'm going to say. Brandon Ayuk catching the deflected pass off the face. That was ridiculous. Reception. Uh, mm-hmm. When you talk about it, rains it pours. That was the beginning of the end. He, yeah, that was where it was like, okay, we had our magical first half. It, you better hang on for dear life and hope you can still win this football game because the ball's bouncing the Niners' way now and it's over for you. Yeah, I, I mean, when that, when you bring up the helmet catch, everybody thinks Giants Patriots. This is a whole new meaning to helmet catch. This is ridiculous. I mean, you, you get that interception. And the game's not over, but I, I'm the Lions. I think pull that one out. It 
It was a terrible throw by Brock Purdy, and it somehow works out. He's got the devil magic gene unlocked, which makes me believe in him even more funny enough. I mean, it's ridiculous. And, and the Lions DBs, man, you, like they they ruined like the, any bit of momentum. They couldn't tackle to save their life. I mean, it, it was just an atrocious showing in the second half. And what? who was it in the um, first half? I think it was um, – crap, what's their uh, – Gardner Johnson, C.J. Gardner Johnson, like their uh, – Their 15-yard penalty. Who was waving – no, he was waving oh, goodbye that to the – nine- What are you doing? The game's not even close to over. And- not, this is – the yeah. 15-yard penalty on the Brock Purdy interception. I know that one didn't bite you as bad. It was in the first half. But moronic play from C.J. Gardner-Johnson. What? Yeah. Why? Why do you do exactly. that? But with this interception. You don't poke the bear. No. With this interception, that Brock, or the almost interception Brock Purdy threw off the face mask, I think that was the true wake-up call for Brock Purdy. Like, if we're going to win this game, I got to get I gotta get it together. Like, that's a – like, I, I seriously think that's kind of what went through his head. Like, I just caught a break. I can't do that anymore. Like, yeah. we're screwed if I do this again. And we've seen – we haven't seen it in the playoffs, but we've seen Shanahan bench Purdy and, mm-hmm. I guess, bring in Carson Wentz. Uh, <laughs> but – No, it's – it's Sam Darnold, I think. Or I Sam Darnold. Yeah, who is Carson Wentz? Yeah. I can't remember. Oh, did he sign somewhere? I don't even remember. He did. He, he was somebody's anywhere. backup quarterback in the playoffs. <laughs> I remember them talking uh, about it. I wish we could have gotten some Carson Wentz minutes in the playoffs. That would have been pretty funny. Somebody got hurt, and they called timeout because Carson Wentz was warming up and getting ready to go on the field. And they're like, no, we're calling timeout. And our Carson <laughs> Wentz we're not seeing Carson That's Wentz. Was it the Rams? It may have been the Rams. What? Was it the Rams? I, I think it was the Rams when Stafford got hurt. I think Carson Wentz is the yeah. best quarterback for the Rams. <laughs> That's so, hilarious. They said, no, no, no. Stafford, you're fine. Yeah. We don't care if you dislocated your shoulder. Get back in there. We're not you're out there. Wentz in this football game. We, yeah. saw you, we saw you throw that touchdown or that two-point conversion when you were on the Lions with a dislocated shoulder. You, you'll be fine. You'll be yeah. fine. <laughs> Any other thoughts from our terrific – championship weekend matchups from the NFL? Uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same, man. The Chiefs-Niners, we're getting our rematch. The rematch that nobody in the world wanted. Uh, this is not the Super Bowl I was envisioning, and I'm not going to lie and say that like I'm super-duper excited as I would have been if it was like Ravens-Lions, where it's like both teams have everything to lose. This is... Surprised. That would have been awesome. Uh, mostly just like, when it comes to whoever wins this game, I I hope that it's a good game. That's all I'm hoping for. I, I just want this game to be good. Let's end the season on a good note. With so many QB injuries this year and so many teams either underwhelming or getting more wins than they probably should have, this was a weird NFL year, I'd say. But, I mean, really great, like, Besides the wild card playoff games, man, I, this has been a good couple of weeks. So I, I enjoyed the games, man. It has been great. If you ask me right now what I wanted to happen in the Super Bowl, I would probably say a meteor striking the stadium 
because I, <laughs> I don't want to see either of these teams win this football game. Obviously, the Chiefs more than the Niners, so if I have to root for somebody, it's going to be the Niners. But I'm, yeah. so, tired. I'm so tired of the Chiefs. Uh, we'll move on. <laughs> We'll move on to something that is hitting home a little hard right now with me, and that's the 65-game rule in the NBA. So for those of you who don't know, the Players Union and their collective bargaining agreement and the NBA came to a decision in their mediation in their meetings that to be eligible for end-of-the-year awards such as MVP, six-man-of-the-year, defensive player of the year and all NBA teams, as well as all rookie teams, you must play a minimum of 65 games throughout the 82 game season, leaving you a leeway of 17 games throughout the year. Mm -hmm. This has come to light and expectation because of one man and one man alone. And that is Joel Hans and bead who (laughs) coming into this. Really Hans. And his middle name is Hans, Joel Hans. Uh, and coming into this week, Joel Embiid had missed 12 games pre-All-Star break, leaving him with only five games left that he could miss to maintain eligibility for the NBA awards, which he was the clear and runaway favorite if it weren't four games missed. We saw Embiid push himself the other night and try to play versus the... Golden State Warriors, extremely banged up. There were reports mm-hmm. that he talked to Ramona Shelburne before the game and said that he could not jump off of the floor, but still mm-hmm. suited up and went to play in this basketball game. And it resulted in an aggravation and a strain and actually a minor tear in the meniscus that will sideline him for a significant time and potentially put the Sixers' season in jeopardy. We've seen notable NBA players speaking against this ruling, saying that they weren't part of the collective bargaining agreement, and they don't agree with this rule, such as Draymond Green, Pat Bev, and other players. What are your thoughts? It's tough, because I do agree, and it has been an issue in the past, of players missing games that they shouldn't miss. And there needed to be some sort of solution. I just think that the solution they came up with was a little bit too harsh. And now you'll see, and first of all, player, a lot of players have spoken out against it. But now you'll see, I think, even more like resiliency to play. I think Joel Embiid doesn't play again, maybe for the rest of the season. I think that he waits to the playoffs. Because what benefit does he have? The Sixers are going to make the playoffs. It's not a matter of if they will, it's they will. So yeah. what's his, what more does he have to prove this season? And that and it's mostly because of the league's impl- like like implementing this rule. It, you're pushing your players I think a little bit too hard in a game that's way too meaningless. I, I'd say physical yeah, meaningless and like physical as well, especially for the center position. I, I think that I think that 65 games is a little bit too much. I do think that you should play over half the games if you want to win an award, though. So it's one of those things where I see the logic. I get where they're coming from. But also, if you want to have awards that represent the correct choices within a year, 
you, you can't like put these strict, strict restrictions. I imagine Joel Embiid played 64 games with the stats he was putting up. He's automatically ineligible to win MVP. He probably still he, leads the league in total points. Exactly. And he's still clearly the MVP. It's a ridiculous thing to set a number on it, I would say. I don't know the solution exactly. But I, I think that, first of all, it messes with players' money. Because it's not just for, for contract reasons. To get a super match, you have to be uh, all-NBA, right? You do. You have to make an all-NBA. Well, now – You might have to make an all-NBA second team or higher. I don't think – oh, okay. it's I, So, there is an all-NBA third team. But I believe to get a max contract, a super max, you must have made an all-NBA second team or higher. Yeah. All, all I'm saying is I, I think that the sentiment of wanting your best players to play games – even if they're meaningless, like I'm going to go to a Hornets Jazz game later this month, and if Brent or and yeah later this month, and if Brandon Miller's not playing, I'll be a little bit annoyed. But I'll also understand that this team's winning nothing, and it makes no sense to get one of your young stars like severely injured in a meaningless game. It, it's one of those things where it's like I I don't think that this rule will be around in five years because if there's one thing the Players Association doesn't like. It's the NBA messing with their money. And if you're not making all NBA and you can't get a super max because you played 60 games instead of 65, and that's costing you a couple million dollars, I mean, I'd be annoyed. I'd be mad. I, it's gonna, You're going to look back in the next couple of years and you'll be like, how the heck did Embiid not win this MVP? Why did – I don't know. Like Probably I'd say SGA or Jokic. Why did they win when Embiid put up these stats? It's it's ridiculous. I think we might even see with this injury, we may have expedited the timeline, and we may see this league change, this rule change next season. Yeah, which sucks because it, it was implemented and it cost Embiid an All NBA team, which matters a lot when you're talking about legacy and standing and how good players are all time, Hall of Fame mm-hmm. things like that. All NBA is a huge deal. Yes, MVPs are big. But he was guaranteed an All NBA selection at bare minimum. Yeah. If, for, if he plays fifty five games, fifty games, he's probably still on the All NBA third team with mm-hmm. the season he's having, and now he's in jeopardy of missing the remainder of the season. And as he should, I'm not playing. It's it's ridiculous to me that it came to this and. The system, was, obviously, they were attempting to cut down on load management, which is an issue. Yeah. But as far as awards were concerned, there was no issue with the way they talked about awards. Mm-hmm. And B didn't get Rookie of the Year because he played 31 games that season, and they decided to give it to a guy averaging eight points a game in Malcolm Brown. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, the NBA has continued to make the right decisions. Uh, Kawhi Leonard won a Defensive Player of the Year only playing 51 games over Draymond Green because he was that dominant in his 51 games. The league takes note and weighs. And yes, the best ability is availability. But when you are so much more dominant than players, it doesn't matter how many games you miss to an extent. If if you're playing half the season and are outscoring everybody by eight points a game, that doesn't matter. But if you miss 20 or 25 games, there's a big difference, and the NBA was doing an excellent job, in my opinion, in 
in figuring this out. This has a huge impact on a lot of people, not just Embiid. During the first 15 seasons of LeBron's career, he missed 71 basketball games. Over the last five seasons, he has missed 95 basketball games. Yeah. It's, uh, we're talking about the number one player of the modern era. And he could potentially miss out on all NBA first, second, third team if he misses time. It takes one rolled ankle, one tweaked ankle in all actuality to miss these awards. It takes one crazy injury and being banged up throughout the season and you're done. Mm-hmm. And we've seen yeah. guys like Kawhi Leonard who – Kawhi Leonard does load manage a fair bit, but it's like Embiid. He's load managing because he has real issues. He has nagging knee problems, and he has things, and the team is looking out for his health and safety by load managing him. You don't think these guys are ultra competitive and want to be out on the floor every single game. The team is protecting their assets by holding these guys back and protecting their bodies. When Kawhi Leonard and the Raptors won the NBA Finals, Kawhi Leonard missed a third of their regular season games. Mm-hmm. And we saw a healthy, motivated machine in Kawhi Leonard in the playoffs. And that's mm-hmm. when we want to see great basketball. Nobody really cares about anything that happens before the All-Star break in the NBA. Even true mm-hmm. NBA fans, it's <clears> fun <throat> to talk about things that happen. And it's fun to debate about greatness. How many above casual, like how many people below yeah, I really like the NBA fans had even tuned into a game before Christmas. Yeah, not many, not many. Until the football season is over, every single casual and slightly above casual NBA fan probably doesn't even turn on the TV for an NBA basketball game until after the NFL season's over. And so to put so much strain and expectation on all 82 games, is ridiculous in my opinion. I think the rule is gone next season. And yeah, shout out Chris Paul again for being the leader of the NBA's collective bargaining and coming and agreeing to this stupid rule. <laughs> hey man, Chris Paul salty. He never got his MVP, so or his. Uh, Chris Paul's gonna his, die through uh, this, so I'll be okay with that. He's going to take an ownership role. With, he's going to bandwagon an ownership, and it's going to be ridiculous. And he's going to be the assistant secretary to the training <laughs> medical staff, and they'll give him a ring. Give him a ring. Ring him. Ring him. Yeah. I, I don't know. I didn't used to hate Chris Paul, but the, the longer time goes on, I'm becoming a major league Chris Paul hater. Speaking of being a hater, we are going to do a segment that is true to our Double Dribble podcast. It's a Double Dribble podcast original. So everybody join us in for the Killian Hayes game. If you are watching on TikTok, feel free to comment and join in. We're going to play the Killian Hayes game. I have 21 names listed here, and I'm going to auto-generate numbers, and we're going to discuss if this player is better or worse than Killian Hayes. Are you ready? I'm ready, dude. All right. Number one, not number one, but the number two name on my board (laughs) that came up because of our random generator 
is Jaden Ivy. Is Jaden Ivy better than Killian Hayes? Jaden Ivy with one leg is better than Killian Hayes. Monty Williams doesn't seem to think so. Monty Williams is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that one that one was a softball. I'm glad we got that one. Yeah, out yeah, yeah. Really I don't care over. about defensive. I don't care about the defense there. I Jaden Ivy is so much better than Killian Hayes. All right, all right. So next number that came up on the generator, I went in numerical order, is number four. Number four player on my list, Anthony Bennett, former number one pick. Oh, my goodness. Is Killian Hayes better than Anthony Bennett? Oh, man. Killian Hayes. Oh, Killian Hayes. Maybe a little better than it. You're you're picking Killian Hayes over Anthony Bennett. Oh, I may, yeah, I shock the world. Anthony Bennett stinks, man. (laughs) All right, man. The rest of this list, I don't know how this is gonna go. I expected, I expected more Killian Hayes. You should have thrown that one at me last. Oh my goodness, that one was tough. All right, uh, so the next number on the generator was six. We're sticking even numbers right now. Yeah, (laughs) Benjamin Simmons. I'm taking Benjamin Simmons, and it's not even a thought. I'm taking the thought of Ben Simmons over Killian Hayes, man. I'm taking Ben Simmons and hypotheticals over Killian Hayes now, man. I'm taking high school Ben I, Simmons over Killian Hayes. I'm taking – okay, I'm taking high school Ben Simmons over current Ben Simmons. Yeah. But current Ben Simmons I, is still better than Killian Hayes. Yeah, dude. I'm telling – Ben Simmons – I, I don't care anyone says. Ben Simmons at his peak was really good. Like, he, like he was really good. Killian so, Hayes has never had a peak like Ben Simmons. We've got some th- major throwbacks coming up next. So number seven. Okay, okay, okay. Number seven, and our fourth person, Greg Oden. Greg, Is Greg Oden. Oden better than Killian I'm taking, Hayes. I'm taking Greg Oden. I am because just strictly off of like Greg Oden. Like, look, he was screwed. He was screwed over by injuries. I, at least, at least Greg Oden has that. Killian Hayes wishes he had the hypotheticals Greg Oden has, man. I look, Greg Oden, he was taken over KD, right? I believe so. I, number one. I feel like I feel like this is what I feel like Greg Oden will always be more looked at negatively because of that. But if you're asking me if I could have Greg Oden or Killian Hayes, first of all, I'm saying what what are we doing here? And second of all, I'm taking Greg Oden. So I don't know. Call me a hater. I took him over Anthony Bennett, y'all. Okay? Look. Okay. You can't say I'm a complete hater. Next name on the list. I'll let you drink your water. Next name on the list, the White Mamba, Brian Scalabrini. Okay. I want to be a hater so bad. I want to be a hater so bad, dude. You have no idea. Doesn't Scalabrini have a ring? I think he does. I think he might even. I'm taking Ryan Scalabrini because of his winning culture. That dude knows how to win. That dude knows how to win games, and he plays his role. Killian Hayes thinks he's the goat. It ain't. It ain't like that, buddy. Name one time. Name one ring Killian Hayes has. I don't even think he's married. Any excuse to to put someone ahead of Killian Hayes? This next one's going to be a hard one. Okay. Kwame Brown. Oh my goodness! He's a certified bum. Uh, oh, <laughs> we're throwing the tough ones at you. I had help. Hitler versus Stalin, man. Oh my goodness, this is terrible. 
I may, I may take Killian. I'm, I'm begrudgingly taking Killian. All right, so at least, let's see. I got to remember, Killian Hayes at least offers something on defense, at least a little bit on defense. So Killian Hayes is two and four against our pick so far. He's two, two and four, and he's lucky to be two and four. I'll give him that. All right, next name, Caitlin Clark. I'm taking Caitlin Clark, and I'm not even thinking twice about it. I'm taking Caitlin Clark right this second. And look, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but literally if Caitlin Clark and Killian Hayes went one-on-one, I think it's a shutout. I think Caitlin Clark completely 11-0s this dude. I think it's a skunk. I, look, and this is not Caitlin Clark. Like, like, I love Caitlin Clark. I think she's amazing. I, I really do think she's like unbelievable. And I think that she could be Peyton Pritchard in the NBA. I genuinely believe this. I don't know why. You think Peyton Pritchard does anything on defense? Absolutely not. But if you just have her spot up 30 feet from the from the NBA line, I don't know. I think that she could do some damage, average like six points a game. Dude, I, I, I legitimately believe in my heart Caitlin Clark is a better basketball player than Killian Hayes. So to stick on theme, Brittany Griner and Killian Hayes. Oh my goodness, bro. How tall is Brittany Griner again? Do you know this? Do you know how I think Brittany Griner is 6'6. Six, six. I think Killian Hayes is probably what, like 6'4 or 6'5? I don't I know. Six, I, don't I think Killian Hayes might be 6'5. I'm taking the taller player. She'll post him up all game. I'm sorry. And look, she's, she, she's got a hardened mentality time. after being in prison that's, in Russia. That's she's what I was just about to say. I was about to say. Which one of these people survived prison? Look, not Killian I'm Hayes. sorry, man. Not Killian Hayes. Killian Hayes is this isn't a, even slander at this point. These are just facts. Uh, all right, so you got two more. Deep okay. cut here. Deep cut here. Ooh. Okay, let's do it. Adam Morrison. Oh my goodness gracious! Oh, uh, it's Killian Hayes. I I, I don't even really over know Adam Morrison. Number yeah. one pick by your short, your Charlotte Bobcats, the yeah. drafting expertise of Michael Jordan, and all the yes. faith that was put into this certified bucket from Gonzaga. Dude, I, dude, look, yeah, I'm saying if you're telling me I could have had Killian Hayes or, like, maybe I don't know, maybe it's just I did like deep dive into the Hornets this offseason, man, or like password. Not a very fun deep dive, by the way. They stunk. Holy moly, they stunk. Uh, look, the Pistons stink, but, I mean, there's a lot of reasons for it. And I I don't know, man. Give me Killer. I hate to be that guy. And plus, I've been bragging. I just took two WNBA players over him. Let me say, let me say. One of them is a college athlete. Isn't even she a will be a WNBA player. I'm taking Paige Buchers over Killian oh, Hayes. I'll say that much. If you gave, if you told me you could put Adam Morrison on this on this Pistons team instead of Killian Hayes, I think I'd take that. I think I'd take it. I don't think I don't think he's getting minutes, I'll be honest. <laughs> Killian Hayes shouldn't be getting minutes. Anyway, I don't think so either, but at least he is. Last one. Big okay. Perk. Kendrick Perkins or Killian oh Hayes. Oh god. Oh no. Dude, wait, he has a ring too. I can't go against my logic. I can't go against my logic. Give big me, perk. Give me, give me big perk, even though I hate him so much, dude. He's got to be like top ten most annoying analyst ever. But dude, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll take big perk over 
Mr. One or two uh, back downs a game. He <laughs> also has more Shaq than a full rings than Killian Hayes has. Oh, that's a great point. And Killian yeah. Hayes will probably move up the list on uh, Shaq and a full. I when's the last, I haven't seen a Shaq and a full this season. I, I, think, he, I think he's done with it. I think he's done with it. Oh, dude. Killian Hayes would be undefeated, man. I, I will say, there's an account on Twitter, Hater Central, and I think he did win uh, like most asked player of the year last year. And he's in the running this year. So be on lookout for back-to-back Killian Hayes. Uh, uh, what's it called? Like, I guess the A MVP, the Ass MVP. That's the, the yeah, the Nickelodeon MVP. That's your the MVP. <laughs> yeah, he's the uh, oh, that that, that will Trubisky. That concludes our segment of the Killian Hayes game. That was hilarious. Uh, that. Killian Hayes went three and seven, so not too bad. Better than I expected. I'm going to throw one bonus one in here for you. I was told. Okay. To okay. I was told to leave this out by my my critics and my, okay. my testers here. Adam Sandler, Adam Sandler, or Killian Hayes. Dude, I don't know. I watched Adam Sandler and Hustle, and he was coaching up, man. Adam Sandler's a certified bucket. You seen him in Chrono? You seen him out here hitting shots? Look, Adam Sandler, if he doesn't shoot the ball, I'm taking him over Killian. <laughs> no, I'm taking Killian. But all you right, know. Right. At least we're honest. We're sticking with Adam Sandler as an inbound passer, though, clears. I'll Clear. say that. Adam Sandler as a passer clears Killian. Yeah. Pass first. All right. So that was, that was good. We'll bring this segment back and we'll definitely do this again. We'll come up with a whole new crop of NBA and former NBA, <laughs> WNBA, homeless people off the street that we can yeah. compete against Killian Hayes. So I'm taking Cody in the clutch over Killian Hayes. I'll tell you that hey, much. You know, buzzer beater, three ball. All right. Should have counted. We we won't get into it. Nobody knows the backstory. We'll leave it alone. Nobody knows it. <laughs> uh, well, let's go into our last topic, or one of our last topics here. The top 10 active NFL quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Well, you run down your top 10. Then I'll run down my top ten. All right. I'll start from ten and go all the way down to one, and I'll give like a one-sentence recap. Uh, number ten, I got Trevor Lawrence. Great QB. All the tools hasn't exactly panned out the way we expected. Number nine, I got Dak Prescott. Great quarterback on a great team, but isn't exactly getting over the hump. Number eight, I'll get Matt, I'll, I have Matthew Stafford. I think Matthew Stafford's another one of those quarterbacks who can throw, do every throw in the book. Just a little bit older and not as talented as the people above him. Number seven, I got Justin Herbert. Same boat as Trevor Lawrence. I do think he has a little bit more talent on him. I think he has a better arm, and I think that he can do more with less. Number six, I got Jalen Hurts. His running ability, and when he's healthy, he's a completely dominant force who knows how to get the ball to his weapons, and he's shown that on a run to the Super Bowl where he outplayed Patrick Mahomes. Uh, number five, we got C.J. Stroud, young, young guy. I'm trying to be ahead of the curve on this one. I think C.J. Stroud is an absolute baller. His touchdown to interception ratio this year was unreal. Number four, hot take, I got Josh Allen. I think that his greatness can sometimes be overlooked by the amount of turnovers he causes. Number three, I got Joe Brr. Joe I think that he's amazing. I think that he knows how to win games in the clutch. I think he's the only person – no, he is the only person to go against Mahomes in the playoffs and beat him. I got Lamar Jackson. 
at number two. I think that despite a rough showing in the AFC championship game, his talent and his ability to create laps these other quarterbacks. And number one, I got the future greatest of all time, Patrick Mahomes. Enough said. You know, uh, as I get into mine, I kind of hate how similar of wavelengths we are. It's going to make for a little bit of boring television here. But, you know, we'll, we'll move on with the list. I'll start at number 10. I've got Dak Prescott. Same thing as you said, unable to get over the hump. I don't think this guy's a huge winner, but he's able to put up monster numbers, and you can't deny the numbers. Number nine, I have Jared Goff. Massive resurgence. I think he's on the come up in his career, and he's ready to make waves. Former number one overall pick, bright future. Number eight, I also have Matthew Stafford. And, you know, he has the arm to sling it. He's got excellent decision-making, weapons, great quarterback. He's a winner. Number seven, I'm not a certified Brock Purdy hater, and I have Brock Purdy in it. Number seven, because he makes the right plays and he does not lose you football games. He is a winner. Number six, I've got C.J. Stroud. The only reason he is not any higher on my list is because he is a young gun with one season under his belt and has plenty more to prove. Number five, Jalen Hurts, his dual threat athleticism, running, throwing the ball, the king of the tush push comes in at number five. Number four, not a hot take because I have it too, Josh Allen at four. Unable to get over the hump, loses consistently to his father, Patrick Mahomes, in the playoffs. Number three, Joey Burr. I'm so mad that we have the same <laughs> top four. Uh, Joey Burrow, man. Uh, what can you say? Missed, missed some significant time early in his career due to injury, but still a stud. Number two, Lamar Jackson, his ability to be a dual-threat quarterback, and when he plays true to himself, he rivals the number one current QB in the NFL. And number one, Killian Hinton Hayes. No, I'm kidding. Uh, oh, Patrick no! Mahomes. It's Patrick no! Mahomes. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, number one undisputed quarterback in the NFL right now. If you say anything else, you're a certified hater. You're a hater. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Honorable mention. Since, you know, that yeah, I got the that was our well. quick quick dive for our TikTok here. Honorable mention, Jordan Love. Same boat as mm-hmm. C.J. Stroud, but I think he needs a little more time to prove it. And he had three years on the bench, so it kind of comes with that same curve of, like, Victor versus Chet. Chet got to be around the league for a year extra. He got to watch. He got to develop. He got to increase his muscle max and strength and prepare for the league. Stroud's just doing this off rip. Came in and yeah. was ripped. So I, that's the only reason that he didn't quite crack my list. Mm-hmm. I got my honorable mentions. I've got Jordan Love, Brock if you Purdy. Say, if you say Tua, you're off the show. That's not, <laughs> Tua's not there. Sadly, Tua's not there. He would have been there if we did this midseason, but he's not. He ain't there right now. Uh, I've got – sorry, I got off my uh, line there. I got Jordan Love. I got Brock Purdy. I got Jared Goff. I got Kirko Chains. And I've also got Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers, healthy, you get him back. I think that he's able to make a difference still. And and this is not really an honorable mention, but it's still a guy I really like who I want to see given more of a chance is Kyler. I really like Kyler. I don't know why. I If you're telling me that I could have Kyler on the Dolphins right now, I take it in such an instant, you, you, you wouldn't even believe it. I think that Kyler Murray has got some tools that can be unleashed. When did it change from Kirko Chains to Kirk Th- from Kirko Thuggins? It was Kirko Thuggins. It was Kirk Thuggins, bro. 
It was when he had the chains on. Do you not remember that? I remember, but bro, he he was Kirk Thuggins. The nickname was Kirk Thuggins, bro. My fiance's favorite player is Kirk Cousins, and it cracks me up, dude. She's so obsessed with this guy. It's so funny. Man. Uh, So, off topic, we'll make it Mm kind of quick. Three quarterbacks right now. You're not looking at the full picture if you say that Mahomes is number one right now because he doesn't have the cumulative career resume. And in all reality, mm-hmm. if you said right now he's number three all time, if he retired today, I wouldn't mind you saying he's the number three quarterback all time. But mm. the two people who he has yet to surpass are Joe Montana and Tom Brady. What does he need to do? throughout his career, what threshold does he pass each of these goats if he does it? I, look, I love Montana. I already think Mahomes is number two, man. I really do. Montana's got that... four Super Bowls, perfect run in the I playoffs. Know. Zero I know. playoff interceptions for a career. And you think Patrick Mahomes I, look, is already there? I just genuinely – I, and like, and I know this isn't exactly the way to do it, but my criteria on this involves eye test, like genuinely more, like more so, like how many plays have you done that have maybe gone like, oh my god, you know what I mean? Like Brady has those fair, and I'm a Tom Brady certified hater, man, and I still think he's number one right now. But you know, Mahomes has just given me more moments where I'm just like, I don't know if anybody else in the world could do this, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? in Montana and I and that's major respect to Montana still and also to Manning and all the greats it's just Patrick Mahomes ability to create is unlike any of those guys and genuinely it's just a talent thing that's what it boils down to I think for Mahomes to reach I honestly what we're thinking is like Brady for him to reach Brady I think he needs at least five I think he needs at least five, and I think that he needs – what he's got two MVPs right now, might, right? I think, I think he – does he only have one? Well, anyway, he needs to reach at least three or four, I think, for him to be considered the GOAT. And I think that – and I, I don't know. Maybe he needs to do it without Reed or Kelsey for one. It, just because we saw Brady, Brady get one without – if we see uh, if we see Brady or not Brady, if we see Andy Reid and Kelsey retire and Mahomes struggles and he never eclipses Tom Brady's Super Bowl win total, do you think he still finishes ahead all time? Of uh, Brady? No. Yeah. I. It, it's, Does he have to tie or pass him in Super Bowl wins? I don't think so. I think that five will do. I and the reason I say that is because he's made um he's made a Super Bowl he's made this one even if he doesn't win it that's two other Super Bowls he's made he honestly I mean you count that AFC Championship against Brady where I mean they win if uh was it Frank Clark if he's not off sides it's genuinely one of those things where it's like a flip of the coin goes either way and it's like you know. What's history at that point? I, I think you get five. I think you you made seven. Even if he loses this one, you get five. I think he wins this next one. But I don't think it's going to take that much, man. He's just so talented. 
Like, he makes throws that Brady could never make, and that's not Brady's fault or anything. It's just more Patrick Mahomes being this alien sent from outer space who just is like an expert at the quarterback position. I will point this out to all of our listeners, all of our football fans out here. The NFL's complicated. The NFL's difficult. This is a sport for professionals. Tom Brady, the greatest current quarterback of all time, went 10 years without a Super Bowl victory in the middle of his career, in the prime of his career. He had early success with three Super Bowl rings early in his career, and he had three Super Bowl rings late in his career. It could very likely happen to Patrick Mahomes, where we see a significant yeah. stretch of time where he does not make the Super Bowl. And this may just be me praying as a Denver Broncos fan that something's <laughs> going to happen. But who knows, man? Maybe Joe Burrow and C.J. Stroud and the, oh, the AFC stack. Maybe the combination of all three of these quarterbacks may be enough to bounce him three, four, five years in a row in the conference championship or the divisional round. It's enough. It's these are these are tough competition to go against. Josh Allen's going to get him at least once. He's going to get think him. So once. he'll get him once. Do you think he gets him with the Bills? Yeah, I think you Josh. Think Allen, you think he sticks with the Bills? I think Josh Allen. I've been I've been hearing rumblings. I've been hearing rumblings. I really have. Well. <laughs> That, that's about it. Uh, one, uh, a couple quick things, if you have anything to add. But we had a, a trade come through oh, right before, before the show. We, before oh, we leave, ahead. I was going to do a little quick segment with you where I was going to go uh, down my top ten, and I was going to ask you how many rings they finished their career with. Okay? Let's do it. All right. Number ten, we got Trevor Lawrence. Does he get one? No. No. We got Dak Prescott. No. None? We got as long, as Jerry, Jones, get as, long as Jerry Jones is the head of that front office, Dak won't win a ring. All right. We got Matthew Stafford. Does he win another one? No. he's. If he had a few more years, if he yeah. was two or three years younger, I'd give it to him. I think he's running out of time quick. Yeah. We got Justin Herbert. No. You don't think he gets one? No, right, I don't so even think he, I don't list. even think I don't even think Justin Herbert makes a Super Bowl in his career. Wow, not even with Harbaugh. I think he makes one. I think he at least makes one. Uh, this one's not on my list, but I have to ask Brock Purdy. How many is he in them with? Five. Five? No, you do not believe that. There's no way you believe that. I believe Brock five? Purdy. I believe Brock five. Purdy. Ends with five rings. You think he gets a ring for each finger on his hand? I think that he will, by the end of his career, be dubbed as the mini goat, mini Tom okay. Brady, and he will follow. <laughs> he will forever be just underneath Brady. But I think we are witnessing what will eventually become the third best quarterback. And this is my true belief. Oh that my god. What? I think that that's I've said a this multiple that's times. That's a bro. I, I've said this multiple times that Brock Purdy is learning the game from the best right now. He's learning how to win, how to work with his teammates. And if he decides that he doesn't need to make a bag and make bank 
and can build an offensive line around him, no matter what team he is on, he will be a successful quarterback and he will finish. It, I'm, my guess is five. I could see like one I, or two less. Three to five is wow. my range. That is crazy. I was going to say maximum one. Um, all right. Jalen Hurts, what we got? He getting one? I think he gets one. I think by the time he's done, he's getting one. But, hey, man, that's a lot to compete in the NFC with Brock Purdy's five. (laughs) With the Eagles, you think he gets it? Yeah. I I think he stays the mainstay through all the coordinator and all of the drama and all the the moving pieces. I think he's the one constant around this team. All right. What we got for Stroud? How many is he getting? DJ Stroud. I think he's going to be the new Aaron Rodgers. I think he gets one. I think he has a tremendous oh. career where he's envisioned as one of the great quarterbacks, but for some reason doesn't really win a lot. Yeah, I, I got him winning too. That's my take. I think he's going to get two in his career. I think he'll be the better Eli Manning. We'll say that. Way better Eli Manning. All right. All right. Alan, you think he gets one? No. Josh Allen doesn't get it. No Super Bowl. Hey, one, no. one appearance. No Super Bowls. Loses to Brock Purdy. Wow. Look, I'm a Dolphins fan. I'm an Allen hater. I don't think he. I mean, I think that. I do think he's a turnover prone quarterback, and I think that that will never really change. I do think he's a better Favre. I think he gets one. I, I really do believe that. Um, Man, you you went on a five minute rant about how the Bills are cursed. You're gonna tell me he's gonna win a Super Bowl. He's not gonna get it with the Bills. He's not going to give it the Bills. That's my take. I don't know who he's going to get it with. You don't let your best quarterback that your team has ever had in franchise history leave. He's going to leave. It's not going to be the team's fault. They will try to keep him. Dude, they'll make it will him be when he's, a higher paid be, quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. He'll be 34, 30. It won't be about money at that point. He's, he will have made money. That's my take. That's just my take. It's just the Bills are cursed. Don't get me wrong. And you know who else is cursed? The Jets. They're not winning crap in my life. But you know who else is cursed at all? So I, I didn't say two was going to win one, okay? All right. Uh, Joe Burr. Joe Burr. How many he, he getting? Joe, Joe Cool. I'll give him one. I'll give him one as well. I think Joe Burrow gets one. I think that he's too good not to. And Joe Flacco Lamar... gets Super Bowl. Joe yeah. Burrow can get one. Lamar, you think he gets one? No. And I think it's the stain on his legacy. I do too. I think this was his chance. I think this was his chance, man. I do think he makes one. I don't think he wins it. I think it's the same thing you have with Allen. Oh, man. That sucks. I love Lamar. And how many do you think Mahomes is ending with? Seven. You think he gets seven? What? He is such a competitive Man, and I think he leaves no doubt. Are him and Purdy going to go back and forth every year? That's got to be your take. I think he and Purdy will meet each other in at least six Super Bowls by the finish of their career. Oh, no way, dude. Seriously, that's crazy. I think it's going to be LeBron versus Curry, but in the the NFL. I was going to say Bird Magic. Okay, that's fair. I think it's going to be. A generational quarterback duel by the time it's all said and done. And when the two of them retire, the NFL will never be the same. 
So 12 Super Bowls between these two guys over the next 20 years. Book it, guys. They will win. What is that? That is uh, that's six out of – that's like 60% of the Super Bowls over the next 20 years are belonging to either Patrick Mahomes or Brock Purdy. Hey, wow, it, that's before, insane. While we're talking about it, this was, this was a sprung on me segment. I have time to diagram and dissect the numbers. Okay, okay. Good. I'm just saying – I just think that's pretty crazy to hear, man. That's that's really nuts, man. I think wow. there's, there's no way Patrick Mahomes is going to leave any doubt in anyone's mind that Brady's better. I think his competitive yeah. nature, he goes out and he gets the one extra. I, even if it's like a Manning Super Bowl with the Broncos where the dude can't even throw the football anymore, he's yeah. getting his last Super he's gonna Bowl. Join the, he's going to join his Buccaneers and, or something. He's getting his very last Super Bowl. He's getting it. Yeah. But you got Purdy winning this one? You got Purdy starting his five this year? I may downgrade Purdy to four for a realism. Okay. Hearing everybody else's numbers, I may downgrade Brock Purdy to four. But the TikTok will still have five. So, you know, we'll... Okay, there we go. There we go. I'm sorry. That reaction cannot be be unseen. Um all right, we'll move on. We'll move on. That was right. crazy. That was a fun segment. Uh, Grizzlies, Rockets negotiated a trade within the last two hours, which sends Stephen Adams to the Rockets in exchange for Victor Oladipo and three second round picks. Surprisingly, I have very, very strong feelings around this trade, so I will let you go first. Oh, well, I haven't really had time to digest it, really. I think this is another showing of Ime Odoka trying to get more serious with the Rockets. Bringing in an established guy who's extremely respected seems to be a trend that he's been working towards by getting Van Fleet in there. I know Dylan Brooks isn't exactly the most respected guy, but, I mean, he does his job. I mean, and even if he gets made fun of a little bit here and there, he, he's brought some legitimacy to the Rockets. And I think that's all that really is. Even if he can't play this year, next year, he brings some legit legitimacy at the center position. And, and I mean, uh, Alfred Singoon's a baller, so to have Stephen Adams going off the bench is kind of a that's kind of a power move right there. Um, as for the Grizzlies, I mean, I, I really don't know what Victor Oladipo's got left in the tank. I think this is more of a those second round pick trade, and Oladipo. I mean, we'll see what he can do, but it's our I mean, man. yeah. So I I mean I'm interested to see it. I mean, the Grizzlies aren't really going anywhere this year. And the Rockets are still rebuilding. So, interesting trade. I said this earlier. It might have been the first or second podcast when I was still alone on here. Mm-hmm. The heart and soul of this team is not John Morant. It is Steven Adams. They yeah. He is the identity and the glue that tied this Grizzlies team together. What are you doing if you are the Memphis Grizzlies? He was yeah. your he was your rock. He was your your enforcer in the modern sense of the word. He who do you replace him with? There's I no guess Marcus Smart. I don't know. There's no one to fill it. Hot take, Marcus Smart's out. Steven Adams is gone. Screw the culture, screw the identity. Marcus Smart, you're gone too. Okay. Speaking of trades. Bold prediction, within the week, the Sixers trade for a backup big that will eat a bulk of Embiid's time that he would have seen on the floor due to this injury. 
and mm-hmm. they make themselves competitive enough to be a high seed in the playoffs because it, right now the Sixers are currently the five seed behind both the Knicks and the Cavs mm, in the yeah. Eastern Conference. And that's not going to cut it if you're the Sixers. You do not want to see Boston in the first round. You definitely want to see Doc Rivers and the Milwaukee Bucks in the second round. You need to have that three seed tied down. So either slip to six or get up to three because mm-hmm. so the six and to do that, it's not with the roster that's currently constructed. This team is built around Joel Embiid and we have seen the Sixers come out and look like a G league basketball team at times, despite all their talent when Embiid's not on the floor. Yeah. And so I think you got, they, name, you got some names. Andre Drummond is a big name for me. Ooh, Bulls have been yeah. showing they're willing with- to sell. I think Andre Drummond would love to come back to Philly, and he's looking for an opportunity to show that he's still one of the best bigs in this league. Even though I don't think he is, I think he thinks he is. Yeah. And I think Good that's the, the biggest name is Andre Drummond that they potentially land. Outside of Andre Drummond, maybe Daniel Gafford from the Wizards. Ooh, I love Daniel Gafford. I, I really do think Daniel Gafford's really good. He's kind of just wasting away in I, Washington. And sadly, I think this comes on a rental. I think this mm. 